You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so first, first sermon, uh, I, I started with this, the scripture, I used it again second week just to remind, I didn't mention it last week, but I want to mention it today, okay, because this is a little bit of an explanation of the selfie culture, it's where uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to his protege Timothy, and he says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for, and you think about that word for, what he's saying there is because of, right? Because people will love only themselves and their money. Why are there difficult times? Because people love themselves and their stuff. That's why there's difficult times. We know relationships are hurting because people love themselves and they love their stuff more than they love other people. I mean, we're all focused on ourselves. I mean, this describes the selfie culture. That, that's kind of what, what it's all about. Last week, we wrapped up with a very, I thought, a very powerful statement. So, I want to go back and revisit that, okay? Here's how we wrapped up last week. The dangers in the dangers of the selfie culture. Next slide for me, Kevin. Is we can become so focused on ourselves, we can't see the hell someone else is going through. That we can get so, so wrapped up in ourselves. But here's the thing. Is, 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 I think sometimes we miss this. Is we think, when you're talking about selfie, you think you're talking about selfish people or conceited people. I'm not talking just about you, you. You can be you can be wrapped up in the selfie culture and, and and be blinded to what you need to be doing, without being selfish, without being conceited. As a matter of fact, one of the ways that we get so focused on ourselves is often because we have problems, and it makes us focus on our problems so much that we can't see the hell somebody else is going through. And often what happens is, is we focus that way because we think our, nobody could have a problem as bad as my problem. Nobody's having a worse week than I'm having. Nobody had a worse day Friday than I had. And we forget that. And last week I, I've had, no, actually three. I had two, but I had three prayer team members tell me that God spoke to them. And, and, and because that thing that we said last week, I gave you two eyes and two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly. And because they were using their ears and their eyes, you know, that, that God spoke to them and showed them someone. They reached out to them and they told me about how it was, a, it was a God moment for them because they had paid attention. And I heard this over and over. And uh, this week, I was, Cliff was in the first service and, uh, you know, I, I didn't share it in the first service. Thought it might embarrass him a little bit because he felt like he was a little worried. He was blowing his, tooting his own horn kind of thing, you know. But how he talked about this week that, that he was in the movie theater and, and he heard, heard somebody crying up behind him. And after the movie was over, he was able to look around and see an old gentleman there. And he went out and he said, after the movie, he said he came back in and, and the man was just standing there. And the movie was over, everybody else was leaving. And, and the man was just standing there. He went up and, and prayed with him. And he said it, it, it was a movie of, about war. And, and he said that, that uh, he had a grandson that was in, in the military and he was in a really bad situation right now. And he was just, and Cliff prayed for him. And I, I, I thank Cliff for that. I said, because, you know, I think so many people, they hear the message and, and it doesn't click. I said, but you were, you were living it. You were doing it. You know, you weren't just so wrapped up in yourself and, oh, man, the movie's over. We got to get to lunch or whatever. Or wrapped up in your problems that you, di you didn't miss someone else was going through a hell on earth. I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you this. How long has it been since you put the fork down to just pray for some situation? You know what I'm talking about? How long has it been since your life was interrupted because of someone else's need? Not because you're, I'm talking 
about somebody else's need. That maybe you saw something on the news and you'd put your fork down and you just had to pray right then. How long has it been since, since uh, someone told you something and, and you didn't just say, yeah, I'll be praying about it, but you actually stopped and prayed? How long has that been? How long has it been since your heart was broken? How long has it been since you, since you cried? Over, over some, some situation. I, I, I know we men, we're not supposed to cry, right? Jesus did. You know, now the Bible doesn't say he cried every day, and he might have, but we know two times that it specifically says he wept. He wept over Jerusalem, and he wept over a friend's loss, a friend that was close to him and their loss. He wept over that. He wept. How long has it been since you wept? As a matter of fact, I'd even like to ask you, has your heart been broken this week? Have you put down your fork this week? Have you, been inter- have you allowed yourself to be interrupted, just, just like, whoa, wait a minute, that's, that's rough, I need to pray for them. I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about like, like the little cloth girl, in, I think it's in Wisconsin. I mean, when I hear, heard that story, now it's been over a week ago. You know, and every time I hear the story and, and, and I hear updates and things, and I, and I pray and ask God to please be with it. Do y'all know who I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? You see, that's one of the problems also, isn't it? Someone said this, to, we were talking right before the first service, and, and they talked about how, but you know, people are just so busy these days. That's part of the problem. Because we're not busy all the time with goods. We're busy with our stuff. And we get so busy with our stuff that we don't have time to pray for some little girl in another state that's been abducted and nobody knows what's happened to her. And it happens, it happens well, Pastor, that happens every day. Exactly. So why, why aren't our hearts breaking every day? Why aren't we praying every day? Why aren't we calling out to God? God, you got to do something here. I mean, because if not, then we need to be asking ourselves, you know, are, are we caught up in the selfie culture? That is, that, that we're so focused on ourselves and we have so many things going on in our life that we don't have time for anything outside of our family. We don't have time to, to even pray or, or to stop or whatever. So, so, so I, I challenge you, you know, and, and I think sometimes it's because and we don't even have time to watch the news I'm, I'm not telling you you need to start watching the news but we do need to open our eyes and ears don't we we got to be no, we got to be in the know of what's going on around us we got to be watching and paying attention we got to see the people because if we don't we're going to miss the people that are struggling with hell in their lives and we don't even know it just a hey how you doing and out the door on a sunday morning and there's somebody sitting beside you right in front of you right behind you somewhere real close to you that is literally going through hell right now and we need to make sure that we're not so caught up in our little things, that we're not so caught up in, in what's bothering me that we don't miss the opportunity to bless somebody else, help someone else, lift someone else up. Because here's the crazy thing. You see, if you get caught up so much in that, yeah, you're going you're to miss those opportunities. You're going to miss that God wants you to reach out to somebody else. I asked the question last week, who are you here for? Who are you here for? Who are you here for? And a lot of you say, well, I'm here for myself. Well, God has you here for somebody else. You may be here, but God has you here for somebody else. And we can, we, we can miss that opportunity, but you know, here, here's, here's the awful thing about the selfie culture, is it's going to cause you really to miss even what you think you need. There are some questions that selfies never, never are able to answer. Here, here's three of them right here. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what am I supposed to do? You, you can never answer those questions by taking another selfie. Taking another selfie won't answer the question, who am I? You know, showing, showing everybody, you know, what, you know, your selfie does not say, who am I? It doesn't tell people who you are. You know, I see some selfies, I think, okay, I got a little bit of that. Selfies don't do the, they don't have the power to tell it. And that's, that's the ironic thing, is they don't help you discover themselves, you know, but, but selfies are this selfie culture, you know, this selfie culture that is about us focusing on ourselves, that in reality, it doesn't help us 
find out anything about ourselves anyway. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Ironically, crazy is the thing that it's like we're focusing in more and more and more on ourselves, but what it's really doing is keeping us from finding the solution. Because I, I know one of those things about, you know, like, well, Pastor, you, you know, I'm, I'm struggling too, Pastor. I know, I understand. But you need to hear this, understand this. The greatest healing you will ever get will, will begin. It will start when you begin to focus not on yourself and your problem, but when you start focusing on what's going on around you that somebody else has a need. It's sowing and reaping. What is it you want to reap? What do you want to benefit? Then you need to sow that. What is it you need in your life? Then you need to sow that into somebody else's life because whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap. So when we want a harvest of something good in our life, we need to be looking for places. God, show me somebody. Show me somebody going through hell right now that I can sow something good into their life. God, so that you can bless me and down the road you can bless me and all these things. That, that's the way this thing works. It doesn't work by focusing on ourselves because the more we focus on ourselves, really, the more we start hiding and the more we start building walls and the less we start knowing about ourselves. There was a great quote. I, I don't really even know how I came across this young lady's blog. I guess it's in my research. Just Lisa Yvonne. I found out that she was originally from this area. and so Some people in the first service actually knew her. I don't know her, but she wrote, this is awesome. She said, when I am discontent, it is most often because I am looking at what is happening in my life and feeling entitled to have it be something else. Ooh, that hurt. did that hurt? <laughs> that gets you in the gut? Was that a gut punch from, from Lisa Yvonne? Was that a gut punch? Did that hurt? That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you know what she's talking about? She's saying when I'm discontent, it's because I'm focusing on myself too much. And I'm thinking I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled. I'm entitled for everybody to notice me. I'm entitled for everybody to pay attention to me. Here's another selfie. You're supposed to pay attention to me. I'm entitled for that. You need to like my selfie. As a matter of fact, if, if, if the next 24 hours, everybody, every one of my friends on Facebook that does not like this picture or like this post, I'm going to unfriend you. We don't do that, do we? <laughs> Some of y'all are snickering a little bit because you've seen that, right? But why do we do that? Because we feel entitled for everybody to drop what they are doing to give us attention. That's what she's talking about. As we feel entitled to do that, if you want that kind of attention, what are you supposed to do? Then find a way to give somebody else that kind of attention. That's the way this thing works. It's not, it's not the more I focus on myself, the more I get. The more I focus on others, the more I will receive. And so and, and instead of feeling entitled that I should get this, God has not entitled me, but he has empowered me to be that for somebody else. You see, so this is the wrong way to get it. This is the wrong way to get there. So then, so then how, Pastor, then how can I answer those identity questions? How can I find out who I am and who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing? How, how can I answer those questions? Where are the answers to those questions? I'm glad you asked. You knew that if I was asking the question, I probably would give you an answer, wouldn't I? I hope it's the right, I think it's the right answer. I hope it's the right, I hope you'll agree it's the right answer. So let me begin right here by giving you the answer just a little bit with a, with a quote. Okay, now I definitely don't know this guy either. I don't even really, I'm not really even sure how to pronounce his name. Tulian Shavijan is the best I can get. Okay, closest I can get. May not pronounce that again for you, all right? This is awesome. Okay, I, I really believe this is awesome. Read this with me. I don't know what you're going through or what, you, or what you're currently losing. I don't know what you suffered or what you're guilty of doing. I don't know your background, what makes you afraid or what your deepest insecurities are. I don't know if you hate yourself or love yourself. Stop right there with me for just a moment. Has he got your attention yet? 
Are you, are you drawn in yet? I mean, he's talking to us right here. He says, I, I don't know what you're dealing with. Okay, I think we're connecting a little bit there, aren't we? But what I do know is this. Who you are has nothing to do with you. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that, that sounds stupid. Who I am has nothing to do with me. That sounds crazy. You see, that's the way this thing works. We've got it backwards. Who you are really has nothing to do with you. Um, it doesn't have to do with how much you can accomplish who you can become, what you've done or failed to do, what other people think of you, the things you've accumulated, your behavior, good or bad, your strengths, your weaknesses, your family background, your education, how your kids turn out, how many times you've been married, your looks, and so on. doesn't have anything to do with that. Your identity is firmly anchored in Jesus' accomplishments, not yours. His strengths, not yours. His performance, not yours. His victory, not yours. You are not what you do or don't do. You are what Jesus has done for you. That is the truth. That's the truth. You know where the answers are? There's where the answers are. That's, that's good. That's not just good. That's great. That's not just great. That is awesome. But I got to tell you why that's awesome, okay? I, I got to give you some backstory here so you'll understand why this is awesome. Because uh, I, I researched this long, long quote to find out when, when he wrote it and all this stuff. And, and there's a reason I did this, why, why my, my curiosity was piqued in this way. And, and, and so I, I, I researched to see, and about the first time he mentioned some of this stuff, I'm talking about Tulian here, the guy that wrote it, it was about 15 years ago. And he wrote just some of this. It wasn't all of it, okay? That, that was the first, first time I could actually find it listed somewhere in a book or something, and, and he is an author. And, then, and here's when he wrote it. It's, he wrote it when... He was the lead pastor of a large, very well-known, distinguished church, okay? Now, did you just disconnect from him? <laughs> because I meant, oh, well, okay. He's a pastor, and, you know, and not just a pastor. I mean, he's a pastor of a big church. He's got it all together. It's easy for him to say all that, right? Right? I mean, I, I, I realized when I told you that, that might influence some of you kind of disconnect from this whole thing like he doesn't understand where we're living he doesn't understand what we're going through he doesn't understand the problems I have in my life he's a pastor of a well-known big church probably got all of his bills paid you know his kids are all in church nobody's on drugs or any of that he doesn't know a thing about my life so probably if you're not careful might have disconnected you well that's not the end of the story I said that's when he began writing the quote what I can see is when he finished writing the quote was last November 2017. L almost a year ago now, right? A little less than a year ago is he wrote this quote. After he had a great failure in his life. After a great sin that caused him to lose his church and to lose his ministry and to lose his marriage. After he lost everything he thought was important to him except for Jesus Christ. After he thought he lost everything in his life except for Jesus, the only one that was still there, like we sang just a few moments ago, right? This is when he finished the quote. When? In that chasm of loss, that chasm of depression, of discouragement, of destruction, that's where his soul now cries out to us. So that's why this is not just a good quote. This is an awesome quote. Because it's not a man that had it all together. This is a man that had it all fall apart. This is a man that was, in a lot of ways in, in, in our culture today, would be right up here, but he was so far down, probably had to dig a hole to just imagine where he was really at. 
that he was in this, and it's, it's in this, this, this place of loss and, and destruction that he writes, your identity is firmly anchored in Jesus' accomplishments, not yours. Now, can you hear? Can you hear someone who's lost it all saying that? That he's finally realized his strength, not yours. His performance, not yours. His victory, not yours. You are not what you do or don't do. I imagine he's saying, I'm not what I did or didn't do. I am what Jesus has done for me. That is the truth. And he shouts that to us from the place of his, of his destruction, of everything falling apart. And all he finds that he has left is Jesus when he returns back to him. And it's out of that he speaks. So, yeah, that's why this is an awesome. Listen, on, on, on the Connect page, church2911.com slash connect, we have the notes. We've got this quote here. I know this is speaking to somebody, several somebody's here today. And if you want that, there, it's there. Go find it. Print it out. Put it on your refrigerator. That's what all that's there for, okay? And all the scriptures that I'm beginning to give you. But here's, here's the point. Answering that question of identity, you know, who you are, answering the question of identity is not about who you are but whose you are, okay? Yeah, I can agree with that, Pastor. Okay, I know you can, but I don't think we get it yet, so I want to dig in. But answering the question of identity is not about who you are, but whose you are. So let me ask you, whose are you? Who do you belong to? Whose are you? Do you belong to your possessions? Do you belong to your reputation? Do you belong to your online persona? Is that whose you are? Is that your identity? Is that what that is? Whose are you? That's the question, isn't it? Do you, some people belong to their looks. You know, if I didn't have my looks, I wouldn't be anything. Yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard, heard, people, I've heard people say that, and that's what they believe. You know, and, and they belong to their looks. They belong to this identity. They belong to this persona. They belong to, uh, they belong to this thing, everybody, their reputation, what people say about them, how, how people look up, their money. All their stuff, that's who they belong to. That's not the answer really to who you are. Who you are is not about who you are. It's about whose you are. Who you are is not about who you are, but about whose you are. Because we can find our identity in, in the stuff we own. Like Paul was warning Timothy, it's going to be tough times when people find their identity in themselves and their money. We can find our identity in our money, in our, in our stuff, in our reputation, in our looks. We can find our, we can find our identity in our, in our relationships, our families. We can find our identity in, in what people say about us in the community or maybe on Facebook or, or Instagram, social media. We can find our identity in, in all those things. Or we can find our identity in Jesus Christ our Lord and what he has already done for us and still wants to do through us. You know, there's this thing called self-acceptance, and I think a, a lot of people think self-acceptance means, well, this is who I am, and it'll never be any better than this. That's not what self-acceptance is, not for a Christian. Not for a Christian. For a Christian, self-acceptance is not settling with what you have, but accepting that God has an awesome dream for your life that is specific to you. That's what self-acceptance is for a Christian is that God has already started something amazing in your life, and he's not done, unless you're done. Are you done? Are you anybody here finished? Or you want more? You, you want him to finish? You want him to keep working on it? I mean, do you have, every, do you have it all, and you have everything, and, and everything's good? You know, you don't need anything else? If, 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 you, if you're that way, then God is finished. He can't do anything there, but if you're not finished, he's not finished either. You see, it, it, it's all about this. It's, it's not... 
what we believe about ourselves. It's about what God says about us. That's the reality. And, and that's the, I guess that's the rub here. That's the, that's the struggle here, it's the, the, the difference or, or what we believe about ourselves versus what God says about us. Now, in this sermon series, really, the first three messages, and even the very beginning of this one, the thing I did was I wanted to challenge you and challenge you and challenge you. Get your focus off of you. Get your focus off of you. I even said every single week, I didn't, it's not, I promise you, it's not in my notes whatsoever, but every single week it's come up, you're not all that in a bag of chips, you know? Because I kind of have to say that that's an old saying or everybody thinks I still walk around saying that all the time, I guess, right? But I push that with you. It's true, it's not about who we are. But today, I want to turn that around a little bit. Because now I want you to see. I, I, I want you to understand. Get your focus off you and what you can make out of yourself. Of, of the filters and the masks and how you can create something amazing. Some appearance of something. Get your focus off of all that. It's time for you to listen. And it's time for you to see. That you're not what you think you are but you are what God says you are I want to tell you what God says you are and I'm gonna hurry right here but I'm gonna throw a lot of scripture at you okay and, and and I really hope two or three of these will really just minister to you and so you'll remember that connect page 2911.com slash connect and go back to these scriptures a little later okay what does God say about you you want to know you want to know what does God say about your appearance right here Psalm 139 verse 13 through 17 the psalmist writes, he's talking to God, and he said, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. Think about this. I know some of you said, Wait, that didn't say anything about my face. That's all we focus on in the selfie culture, about our appearance, about our face. God's concerned about something a whole lot deeper than those few layers of skin that you've got on you. God's, so, God's focused on so much more, is that, so much so that in the intricate parts of you and who you are, the, the stuff underneath your skin and underneath your looks, he, he's developed those things. He's knit them intricately. He's worked on these things to make them exactly what they should be. It's like God is so concerned about your appearance. But you know what he wants to do? He wants to create in you someone that people stand up and take note. Not, but they don't take notice in the way that the world normally takes notice, but for other things. Not what this looks like, but what is inside of here. That people really stand up and say, wait a minute, there's something real there. Why? Because when that happens, then people that are drawn to you will be drawn to him not drawn to your looks not drawn to your appearances but drawn to him that is inside of you creating all this this is what God says about your appearance this is what's important what about your worthiness a lot of people don't feel worthy today <laughs> next slide uh, this is Isaiah chapter 61 he says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with a clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. This is what God says 
about your worthiness. You may not feel worthy, but God has dressed you up and throw your shoulders back because God has made you worthy. You may not feel worthy. You, you may have messed up this morning already. You may have blown it. You may have, you may have hurt someone's feelings. You may have done something wrong. It, God is dressing you up. He's warning you to understand. You may, you may have uh, not done everything right and perfectly, but God is dressing you up like a bridegroom ready for his wedding or bride with her jewels. Throw your shoulders back and say, I'm not worthy because of who I am and what I've done. I'm worthy because of who he is and what he has done in my life. That's what God says about your worthiness or your, your competence. It's the next slide, right? Competence, yes, Philippians 4, 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, now listen, this is one. Oh, I've got to hurry. I don't have a lot of time. But this, this is one that my mom, when I was a kid, she wrote down and she cut it off in a little bit of piece of paper and folded it up. She put it in my billfold. This was back before I really needed a billfold. Y'all know what I mean? Before I had, I mean, I was young. I didn't, I didn't have a driver's license, credit cards, or anything like that. You know, I was carrying a billfold before I needed a billfold. She put it in there that, that long ago. And I accidentally found it. You know, of course, she knew I was going to find it one day, right? And I realized I put it right back in there because I wanted that scripture going with me everywhere I went. Because you know what it said? It said, I'm competent. I'm capable. There is nothing going to come against me today that me and God can't handle. Now listen, if you try to do it on your own, yeah, there's some stuff going to happen to you today that you can't handle. But remember, through Christ who gives me strength, there is nothing I am incapable of handling. There is nothing that me and God can't handle. So some of you are saying, i got a problem I can't fix. Good. Hand it to God because you and God can fix it. You and God can handle it. You and God can do it. You are competent and capable of doing everything everything that is going to be thrown at you. That's what God says about your competence, okay? Uh, what's the next one? Um, it's our security, okay. And, oh, man, I'm trying to hurry here, but every time we sing, I, I got to throw this in. Every time we sing that song we sang a few moments ago about slavery, you know, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I just, I kind of just feel in my spirit there's, there's just some guys here, well, I don't need to sing that because I'm not scared of nothing, right? We men, we, we're not scared. You know, we don't have fear. He's not talking about you know, the fear that makes you squeal like a little girl when you see a rat, okay? It's talking about all kinds of fear. The worries that you're not going to be enough. The worries that you're not going to be able to pay for it. The worries that you're not going to be able to make it happen. The worries that you're not going to be able to hold it all together. Those kinds of fears also, all right? So all of us have fears or worries, and this is what God says about it. Romans 8, 38 and 39, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So all the stuff that you're worried about, all the stuff that you're concerned about, all the stuff that makes you, makes you worry and fear and, and, and doubt and question. You don't have to fear that. This is what God says about it. It's secure. It's done. As long as you're in Christ. As long as your identity is in Christ. This is what he says about this. This is what he says about your security. Is you don't have to worry about that anymore. The next one I think is about belonging. Right? Because do, where do I belong? Do I belong anywhere? Romans 12. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this morning, don't think, of, think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by, this, by the faith God has given us. Okay, the first three sermons in this series were a lot about that first part. But here's the rest of this. 
Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a spe has special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other in his grace. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Here's what he's saying is, you belong. I talk to people all the time that says they don't, they don't feel like they fit in anywhere. Let me tell you something, you belong. And you don't belong because I just said it. You don't belong because you came and stood in front of the church and said, hey, I want to join the membership of 2911. You don't belong because that. You belong because Jesus Christ said you belong. You belong to him. You belong to his body. You belong to this big old thing that is called his body that is bigger than this room because it is every Christian who has ever lived throughout all of history. You belong and you are part of that. You're not lost. You're not away. You're not solo. You're not forgotten. You're not by yourself. You belong. You have a place and you fit in and then and, the, and the next one what is it it's not empowered no it's about the provision um, so what should we say to these things Romans chapter 8 verse 31 and 32 what shall we say to these wonderful things such wonderful things as these if God is for us who can ever be against us since he did not spare even his own son but God gave his own son up for us all won't he also give everything else he's already torn off the door of the safe and given the very best treasure that heaven has to offer Jesus Christ his own son and if he's already done that then what else is there that God wouldn't would not give you what could there be if he's already given you the best if he's already given us the, the, the most awesome what else is there that he could give to us there is nothing so that's what God says about your provision there is nothing that he can't do for you and there's nothing that he's not willing to do for you and here's the last one the last one's on power all right, uh, this is what God says about power, Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Some people say, well, uh, you know, people are scared that if they give their life to God, God's going to call them to be missionaries in, in a foreign country. Do you see what that says, desire and power? Okay, first of all, he, he's not going to call you to do something he doesn't also give you the desire for. If you don't have a passion for other people or other countries, He's not going to send you to that. That's not what he's going to call you to do. He's going to give you the, you've already got the passion that he's given you. Back when he was forming you in your mother's womb and knitting you intricately like we were uh, reading about just a few moments ago, he's already done that. He's already given, you've already got that passion. But now he wants to give you the power to do it. Not, not the power to do something that, that, that you aren't passionate about, but the desire that he's already put inside of you. And this, so this is what he's saying is he is already empowering you to do whatever it is that you are, you are passionate about accomplishing for his will. So again, it's still in that finding my identity in Jesus Christ, but when I find my identity in Jesus Christ instead of in myself, then God empowers me to accomplish everything that I need to accomplish for him. That's what he says about your power. That's what he says about your passion. These are the things that God said, and I hope, I hope some of these, I hope some of these encourage you. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.